fantasy of suicide going on. I would, I would pull into my garage, and I, it, was, it was one of the weirdest experiences in my life, but I would like pull into my garage and shut my garage while the car's still running, and just I would have these thoughts of like, man, I could just fall asleep right now, just leave my car running. And I would go to sleep at night, and I would have these thoughts of, of just dying. Um, and it was, I, I you know, started talking to Cheryl about it and told people, because that's what you need to do in those situations. Um, but I was second row right there. If some of you guys remember that, I got thrown, pushed the seats back. Um, the power of God hit me, and I was laughing and crying. I, I'm not normally the laugher. I'm typically the weeper. And I just sit there and cry uncontrollably. Um, but I got hit with joy like I've never experienced. And uh, it, it changed my life. It broke that off me. So I just want to encourage you, if God's trying to touch you, don't fight it. Because you've got to give yourself to that stuff. You, you can fight off the, what God's trying to do a lot of times. Um, so I encourage you guys, if you, seriously, if you need to lay out, if you need to encounter them, go for it. Um, so I realized something. Uh, being, you know, I'm a young son of this house, and so um, there's always the temptation of, man, I've got to bring some great new revelation, or I've got to be an amazing teacher. Um, and I'm just not, especially when, when you're, <laughs> your standard's Jim Baker, one of the best teachers on the planet. Um, but I realized the secret is what Paul told Timothy, where he said, you know, let them see your growth. Let your growth be made public. Um, and so I just, I found that my, the secret is vulnerability. Um, so I just want to be vulnerable with you guys for a little bit and take you on a little bit of my journey. Uh, about the last two years of what God's been teaching me and trying to do in me, and I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of parallels. Um, and a lot of times God's trying to do stuff in you, and, and you don't, you kind of know it's God, but you're unsure. And then you hear somebody else talk about they're going through the same process, and it's like, oh, this is real, <laughs> you know? Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a little bit vulnerable, if that's okay. I'm going to share a lot of dreams. I'm a dreamer. I, I dream about three dreams a night. Um, and so that's a lot of how God will teach me concepts and, and teach me actual scripture. He'll take me through the scripture in dreams. Um, and so that's a lot of how I learn. So uh, bear with me. There's going to be a lot of dreams. I think I'm going to share four uh, during this. I won't get into all the weird details and stuff, so don't worry. Um, but yeah, Holy Spirit... Touch your people. That shift that happened towards the end of worship in a transition, that shift in the atmosphere, the angelic that were welcomed in the room, God, I just ask you, release them. Release them to minister. Release them to minister. Those who need a touch from you, God, I just ask, touch them. Even now, touch them with the fire Sean was praying about. Break off depression. Break off suicidal thoughts. Give out joy. Renew hunger. Break off slumber. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So, I've got a lot in me. Um, guys, I'm burning. God's doing some amazing things. I've had um, have the privilege in the last couple of weeks of being around some amazing men of God, and uh, it's just it's doing something to me. 
And so my, my prayer is that as I speak today, that something is, whatever is stirring in me, this hunger thing, it's not, it's not special to me, uh, that it just it starts to get in you guys. And if it's already in you, that it stirs even more and let's spur each other on with hunger. But so I want to start out, wanna, a while ago, God started teaching me about righteousness and so some of you have heard me say this. If you're part of FIRE, I'm the young adult pastor here. I lead a group called FIRE Columbus. Um, we meet downtown at the Roosevelt Coffee House. And um, if, if you're part of FIRE, you've probably heard me define righteousness about a million times by now. Um, but righteousness has such a weird connotation of, uh, in, in the religious circles of it's, it's all about abstaining from sin. And there's absolute truth to that. That is a result of righteousness. Um, but righteousness actually means it's righteousness, it's right alignment, justification. It's you've been you've been brought into heaven's alignment for your life. So there's two types, and so I, this is like the most teaching I'm going to do is this first little section. Uh, there's two types of righteousness. There's positional righteousness, being sons and daughters of God, and that comes through what Jesus did on the cross. You you are a son. You are righteous. You are the righteousness of Christ. And then there's situational righteousness. There's, do I now live out of this, or do I not? And so like with anything else, you know, you're no longer a sinner, but you can choose to sin. Do you live out of the fact that you are now a saint, or do you live out of what you used to be? Um, and so in every situation in your life, we have the opportunity to live in heaven's alignment. So just think of like two pipes with water. You know, if those pipes aren't aligned, that water's going everywhere, and the water's not getting to the destination. It's not getting to its intended target. And so many times, uh, I could, I almost did a whole message on this, but like, uh, we look and we're like, okay, why isn't God's provision happening? Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Like, in the scripture, it says this is true. Um, a lot of times, it's because we're not aligned. And it's just important to go with Holy Spirit and be like, okay, what, what in my life is out of alignment right now? What... What is, why is this not hitting the intended target? Does that make sense? You guys can give me feedback, it'll help. I grew up in a very fiery church, so. Um, so I wanna, I wanna parallel this though, because this is, uh, to parallel this with some of the sonship, there's a difference between self-righteousness and righteousness. Self-righteousness is where you're trying, to, you're trying to do it completely on your own. I'm doing things to make myself righteous. I'm doing things to make myself in right alignment with heaven um, outside of God's intended way, which is things like I'm, I'm trying to earn his love. Uh, you know, he loves you 100%. You can't earn more. You can't, you can't, uh, he, he doesn't detract love. He's not an earthly father that when you mess up can pull back love. He doesn't do that. Um, so that's, that's just truth. Uh, he, he, you can't earn his love. You can't do anything to earn his name. Uh, you just, you give yourself to him. You, you give him lordship over your life. Um, but there's things that righteous people do because they're in alignment with heaven that are good. And so I think a lot of times we use works as a bad thing, and I would rather call it performance, honestly, because there's works are good. People who are aligned with heaven, that we do things that other people wouldn't, um, and it's not bad. And so this thing that Jesus paid for it all, so I sit back and do nothing, is a total lie. Um, 
and he's actually asking us, he's, you know, your, your sons, I've given you the kingdom, now what are you going to do with it? What are, what are you doing with this? And out of that righteousness, out of that alignment with heaven, that's how heaven invades my life, that's how heaven, you know, overflows in my life and, and affects everything around me. Um, but it starts with doing good works. It, it starts with allowing, allowing, getting in that alignment and then allowing that to overflow. So sons, that's, that's what sonship is. When we've been made right with the Father, sons lay their lives down. Sons heal the sick. They raise the dead. They cleanse the lepers. They cast out demons. That's what sons do. You know, and this is, this is we're actually meant to want his approval. You know, we're all, we're all supposed to long for the day that we stand before him and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is kind of interesting. I feel like Holy Spirit showed me this. Well done, good. Good is because of what Jesus did. We're good because Jesus made us good by what he did on the cross. Faithful is our response to what he did. And so he's, in that day, he's both affirming, you're good because of what I did, and you were faithful with what I did. And so that's what he's calling us to. So in, in this process, I'm going to do it on time. Wow. So first, that was the first thing God taught me. Start teaching me about righteousness. And I just, that, that infiltrated all my thinking. If you can get that into your thinking, every major revival has started with a revelation of righteousness. It's, it's the craziest thing. If you go into these, the different generals and everything, they started to learn about righteousness, and it led to the revival. The great awakenings happened out of an understanding of righteousness. Um, and so just understanding what it looks like to be in heaven's alignment. It, when you're in heaven's alignment, you're not really worried about sin. It, that, that stuff loses its value when you're in heaven's alignment. But then the next thing God started talking to me as I'm trying to get myself, uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing everything with Holy Spirit, not out of self-righteousness, but out of walking with him. Okay, Holy Spirit, what's next? What in my life isn't in alignment right now? And he would show me. Then I have this dream about paying the cost, which I'm actually not going to get into just because of time. And God asked me to pay the cost, which most people would say, well, Jesus already paid for it, so what cost is there to pay? The cost is laying yourself down. And this is the premise of uh, uh, the idea of the dream and what Holy Spirit began to show me. And it's backed by, you know, in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. When, when we give ourselves over to him, when we accept what he did for us, we're declaring spiritual bankruptcy. So think about this. What, spiritual bankruptcy in the natural is I have a debt bigger than I can pay. And so my debt's going to be forgiven, but what I have is going to be taken from me. You, you lose your assets. In the spirit realm, when we accept his payment for our debt, he's like, I'll cover your debt, but I actually require something. I require you. All of you. Not just part of you. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not just, you know, here to cuddle you and everything else, you can do whatever else, or I'm not just here to make you comfortable. No, I actually require your life. That's, that's part of this deal. And so in this, in this dream, 
Holy Spirit showed me that. I wake up, and God's presence is on me, and I just start to cry because I've realized I can't pay it. God, I, I don't know how many of you guys have experienced this, but for a, for the last like about year or so, God has been hounding me to do a few practical things, just really practical things. For me, you know, just one of them, getting up early and spending time with him. And I could not do it. And I had no one to blame but myself, which is a hard place to be in. I wanted to blame someone, and I couldn't. And I was just like, God, I'm trying. I would, I would try to get up, and I would end up, like, instead just oversleeping my alarm and being later than I even should have. And things like that. And it's just like, what is happening? And so I just cried. And I was like, God, I, I want to be one of these people that heaven's history records, that, that when, when, it, when heaven's history is opened and they get to the point of history that I'm alive, that they say, Ryan Rhodes, he paid the cost. He laid himself down. He was used by heaven. He was, he was a man that, that was a friend of God. I want to be that person, but I'm like, God, I, I can't. Like, I'm trying so hard. Has anybody been having practical things? God's asking you to do just practical things to organize your life? Yeah. And it's felt impossible. And so I went back to sleep. And this part of the dream I will share. I was meeting my wife for coffee. Parked at a parking meter in an alley. Go get coffee. Come back. And my car's gone. And I was, it was in the dream. It was a Saturday. I knew I couldn't get my car out till Monday. I had no money. I didn't know how I was going to get out of the city. And I was just like, God, what is happening? I was so mad. And this justice thing was coming up in me. I'm like, I, put, I paid the meter. They, they're going to pay for this. They're going to they're gonna cover. I'm not paying for the towing bill. I'm not any of this stuff. And I'm angry. And I look over, and about 30 yards from me <laughs> is David Jonas. <clears throat> and David, I can't describe it as anything other than his face looked like an owl almost. And he's just staring at me. And I'm like, David, I don't know what I'm going to do. My car is gone. And like, I'm complaining to him. And he just stares, doesn't say anything. And it hits me. And I realized I walked away and never put the coins in the meter. So this whole thing was my fault. But beyond that, I realized the cost of not putting the quarters in the meter was higher than to just put the quarters in the meter. And I woke up, and it was as if heaven was telling me, one, the cost is much smaller than we think it is. And it's much better just to pay the cost than to not pay the cost. And two, I felt like God was saying, you think you've paid the cost, but you haven't. And so that day, a grace was released. And I I believe that that grace, even as I'm sharing some of this, is being released in this room. But there was a grace released for me to do the practical things. It still didn't make them easy, but it made me able. He empowered me. And I, I found that those times, you know, I'd get up and I'd have all these plans of what I wanted to do with God, and, you know, or I'm going to read this and that, and I'm going to get through all these books. And he's just like, you know, no, just sit here. Or no, go back to sleep. And he would begin to give me these dreams, or he would, he would speak something to me, or his presence would just be there, or it wouldn't be. I wouldn't feel anything tangible. And it was okay. Because, you, you know, sometimes you kind of have to take that by faith. <clears throat> and he, in those moments, 
he allows you to get yourself out of the way. And then you get yourself out of the way. You lay yourself down. You lay down your own emotions, your, own, your, your flesh, your thoughts of what those times need to be. And then those moments you're not expecting him, he comes and rests on you. Those moments you're driving your car, you're trying to work, and all of a sudden he touches you. He's preparing you for those in those moments. God, oh, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh. So, you know, I, I continue to do the, the practical things, and then I have this other dream. And this is basically, my whole message is based around this dream. This is one of the dreams he gave me of Zion people in it. So I was, in, I was with a group of Zion people. Um, I won't name you guys. Uh, and we were walking, and we were talking about what's to come. We are talking about what God's about to do, how great what he's about to do is. And one of, one of the people said, I just wish I was more spiritually prepared for what's to come. And I whipped around in the dream. I whipped around there behind me as we were walking. I whipped around. I poked my finger in their chest. And I said, you're exactly where God wants you to be because you're hungry. And then in the dream, Holy Spirit began to teach me in Matthew 5, where it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. So when we hunger righteousness, remember our definition from before, righteousness is, is right alignment, it's heaven's alignment. Those who hunger and thirst after heaven's alignment in their life, the promise is they will be filled. When Jesus spoke that, he actually made that a law of the universe. That is, that is actually a law of God. If you will hunger, he will fill you. He's not hiding from you. A lot of times he'll let you get past yourself, and that's okay. We need to get past ourselves. We need to get over ourselves and, and, and have all of him because he's worth it uh, to do that. And there's so much of us that just needs to get out of the way. <clears throat> Y'all need to pray for me. I've been fighting this stupid cold thing. Um, so... In the dream, he used the wordplay, and I was really hoping these were the same words in the Greek, but they aren't. Uh, but he used the wordplay. He took me from that. The promise is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. He took me then to in Acts, in the book of Acts. Over and over again, you see the same thing, where they would be filled with the Holy Spirit for something. So, you know, uh, take, you know, Peter He's, he's filled with, it says, and being filled with the Holy Spirit, he spoke with boldness. Or being filled, so-and-so did this. Being filled, it, it's over and over again. So Holy Spirit took me into that, used the wordplay of it being, both saying that being filled. And he said, as long as you hunger and thirst after my alignment in your life, as long as you hunger and thirst after that, my promise to you is every time you step in a situation where you need something outside of yourself, I will show up. I will fill you in that moment. That, that boldness that they experienced was not an emotional boldness. It actually wasn't even a boldness, a faith boldness from knowing Jesus. It was a Holy Spirit, divine empowerment boldness for that moment. So this, this should be encouraging to us, is the fact that heaven's, heaven's timeline, 
It looks very different than our own. Our timelines are, are based on, you know, events. They're based on accomplishments. It, you know, I got to do this, this, and this before I can ever do that. Heaven's timeline is based on hunger. You can have a lifetime of not knowing him and not being hungry. In one moment of hunger, you're exactly where you need to be. And so I feel that's, that's really where I'm heading today is <coughs> I, I, feel like, I, I feel like God wants us to know that if we'll just get hungry, uh, some of you guys, you felt like you're just so far off or you're just not where you need to be. Just, just get hungry again. Let, let him give you hunger. He will give you hunger. And I, that's what he's doing today is he's giving out hunger. He's stirring. I don't know if you guys felt it. The atmosphere here felt very different than it has most of the summer. Like, there's something different. I was just with Michael Koulianos, which, if you guys don't know him, he's Benny Hinn's son-in-law. He's awesome. He's one of the most humble people you ever meet. He said something really profound to me. He said, he said you know, you got to pay attention to, to the changing of the wind. He said, you know, look at the seasons. Before the leaves change, before anything else, this cold breeze starts to blow through, and all of creation begins to recognize all the seasons changing. I'm telling you, the wind, Mama Dora was singing it back there. I heard you. The wind's blowing. The season's changing. We're on the front end of it. And the season, there's, a, there's a, a spiritual seasonal shift that is happening right now. And we can be a part of it as long as we hunger. And it's just one moment. I'm telling you, one moment of hunger. You, get, you stir up the hunger within you. It's divine. It, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Bill Johnson said this. This is really important. He said, you know, most of what people call Hunger is actually frustration. Frustration is emotional. You can have frustration. That, that's actually okay. But don't call that hunger. Hunger is divine. And, and our frustration needs to lead us to go after true hunger. It can't, it can't lead it. Frustration, if frustration alone, if it doesn't lead you to God, is going to lead you into a weird place. And so... I'm telling you, the winds are changing. The winds are blowing. God's doing something really special right now. And, and we're going to be a part of it. I'm telling you, you are going to be a part of this. You're going you're gonna to be a part of what God's doing in the earth. He's waking us up. You know, and this is the, it's the backwards kingdom. You know, everyone's heard Bill Johnson talk about this at this point, probably. Um... And he has a, a message that says all, like, a lot of this stuff way better. I, I did actually listen to it after I wrote all this. And I was like, man, he did so much better. Um, it's called The Gift of Hunger. You should go listen to it. Um, but you know, this, it's a backwards kingdom. So the more, the more you eat, the hungrier you get. If you realize you're at a point where you're not hungry, then start eating. Eat till you're hungry. And then continue to eat till you're starving. And I'm telling you, the promise is... He will fill you. And that, that's, that's the kingdom life. We continue to eat and continue to eat and continue to eat. And this isn't for church meetings. This isn't, this isn't for any of that. This, this is to know him. This is, is, is to, to build a relationship with the living God. This is, this is to know the one that, that we, we worship and we, we claim to love. You know, but we have an opportunity through hunger to, to really taste and see. 
that he's good and daily. Benny Hinn said this. This is actually fascinating. He said it, he's, he's been able throughout his life with his own personal experience and with other people's experience, he's been able to see it takes about two weeks of, of turning yourself away from God to go back to where you were before him. Two weeks. I, I've, I've personally experienced, I don't know if you guys have, it's been two weeks is actually pretty accurate. Two weeks of just not, not worshiping, not getting time with him, not talking to him, not really acknowledging him, and it's like, whoa. And then I, I've realized my heart's been in this place of like, whoa, I'm close to being back to where I was. But the beauty is one moment of hunger, and you're back where you need to be. And so this is all, you know, this is all just about going, going low, going deeper in him. I think so many of us, we, we, we know that there's greatness in us, or we feel called to greatness. We feel called to do these things. We want to change a city. We want to change nations. You know, we want to raise godly families. And we're just, we're waiting for something else to happen. Like, we're waiting for an angel to show up to us or, or something before we'll go and start doing these things. But the, it happens from, from going low and just getting to know him. Just getting to know him. The people, you know, I got to sit with Roberts Learden, which uh, if, if you guys have heard of God's Generals or any of those books, he's the one who, who wrote those. And just hearing his stories as, as we would talk about his time with Oral Roberts or, or you know, talking about Catherine Kuhlman and going to her meetings and the way that these people would just lay themselves down. You know, Catherine said, she said, I, I'd, I would die a thousand deaths every time before I'd speak. What people wouldn't see is she'd be sitting or be on her knees behind the curtain weeping, repenting for every, every sin, every time she didn't acknowledge him, every, you know, whatever, and just weeping until there's just a, a puddle around her. That, that's her before she would come out and do the five-hour meetings. She, she, was just, she was just so in this place where she recognized the, the beauty of Jesus and the beauty of who Holy Spirit is and, and that he is fully worth us just giving everything and just laying it all down. And that's not going to look like, uh, you know, her meetings for everyone in this room. Some of you, it's just going to look like God showing up in your workplace and people getting around you and being like, man, I feel something different. But that happens. It, it, I've been on this journey of going after the baptism of fire, the real thing. You know, John G. Lake was seeing the same level of miracles we're, we're seeing before he had the baptism of fire. And then he became the John G. Lake we know. Um, that's been my personal journey for about two years now. And it still hasn't happened. Uh, but that's part of the reason I'm going after it the way I am is because I, 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 I'm thankful for the miracles I'm thankful for the healings we see as a church. I'm thankful for it. I can't watch another person die. I, 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 can't, I can't stand by and not be, like, being around David Hogan. Man, I got to be around David Hogan a couple weeks ago. That man is on fire. And I asked him about the baptism of fire. He looked me in the eyes. He said, what do you want? And I said, I want the baptism of fire. And he said, every morning I wake up and I step into fire up to here. And he said, most of the people here, they think they want it, but they don't want it. He said, a few will follow me into it. He said, because it's messy, but it'll, it'll change everything. 
And the way he, he, just, he looks in your eyes, if you ever get a chance, which we need to get him here, but if you ever get a chance to be around him, the way he looks in your eyes, you can tell he's been with Jesus. It feels like Jesus is looking right at you. And he, he is somebody who knows he can step into any situation and God's going to show up. It's his bulldog faith. It's, you know, his hunger has pressed him into that. Because he's gotten over himself. He, he, he's gotten to this point that he's like, I, I don't really need anything else but Jesus. There, there's nothing else. There really isn't anything else. We have all of our comforts here. Thank God for the stuff we have. I'm not one of these people that's like, thinks it's better in a third world country. Um, you know, I'm thankful for what we have. But it can't be something that begins to numb us. He's it. He's all that matters. I, I, we, don't, we don't need anything else. I'm thankful for what we have. We don't need anything else. So I had another dream. In this dream, people in Zion were asking me, what, you know, how do you, what transformed your life? Like, what, what, what was it? What, what happened? And this is what I said to them. I had this dream like a week ago. Um, I said, I realize there's a difference between hunger that's just a, you know, talking about hunger and hunger that pursues. Because biblical hunger actually comes with the connotation of you go after what you're hungry for. It's not just I sit and talk about my hunger. And in the dream, I started, I gave this illustration of a hunter, like hunting animals, which is funny because hunter is one letter off of hunger. I don't know. Um, anyways, but I said, you know, I can be someone who buys the stuffed heads and puts them on my wall. I can own a gun and some camouflage. I can read hunting magazines. I can, you know, watch hunting shows. Uh, but I may have never actually gone after an animal. There's, there, it's something different to have real hunger that sends you off to go after it. And so seeking him, this is kind of how I'll tell you, um, when his tangible presence is there, enjoy him. When it's not, look for him. That's what seeking is. Go look for him. I, you know, I, I, I found that if you just start looking for him, when, when you're listening to the radio, look for him. When you're watching a movie, look for him. He'll start popping up and stuff. And he'll start to speak to you and encounter you. That's what seeking is. It's just, I'm always looking, okay, where are you at now? It's not, when he hides from us, it's not hiding from us so that we don't find him. It's, it's, it's like a dad playing with a two-year-old, playing hide-and-go-seek, standing behind the, the curtain, and you can see his feet there. Uh, like, it's really obvious. That, that's how he does it. And so it's like seeking him, seeking him with our whole heart, seeking him with every bit of us. You will find him. Uh, but he's, he, he's, he's a good dad, and he, he's wanting us to, to go after him like that. And that's real hunger. We can't, we can't live behind our revival culture and call it hunger. We, we, can't, we can't have all this stuff, and just because we go to church and we love to dance around the river or, or soak or, or paint or whatever it might be, we can't hide behind that and call that hunger. Hunger is what happens when no one's there. Hunger, hunger is what propels you in those moments when, when no one's around. You just begin to sing in the car because he's worth it. You know, just, you guys can tell I've got this cold. 
or whatever it is. Um, it's not of God, and that's all I know. So one of the things, uh, Michael Culliano said this to me. He's got a really great healing ministry. He just did the healing training up at Bethel Cleveland. And he said, he said, you know, I've heard him say this before, but it never hit me like this. He said, I, I don't heal the sick because they have need. He said, I heal the sick because Jesus paid for it. And he's like, to me, and with tears in his eyes, he told me this. He said, to me, I look at somebody and I think, there's a drop of Jesus' blood that was spilled for that. And that cannot go in vain. The suffering he endured cannot go in vain. That's a different way of thinking. But Jesus is king. Jesus is king. This whole thing is about him. This whole thing is about him. It's not, it's not about us. Yes, we love people, and I want to see everyone healed. Uh, and and it, it excites my heart to see them touched by God, to see them experience his love. But he deserves for them to experience his love. He, he's been through a whole lot so that they can experience his love, so that they can know him. And then let's take that a step further. You know, Cheryl talked about divine health and just going, like, going after our health. I know David Jonas has been prophesying. He said, he said in this coming season, it's going to be important. The body of Christ, God's going to be leading us into seeing ourselves healed. And this is, I, I want to... You know, I believe in doing the natural things. The natural cannot come in front of the supernatural on this. I'm telling you. You'll get so lost in that, and you'll be more unhealthy than the people who aren't doing this stuff. But I've realized I don't want an ounce of his blood that was spilled for me to be whole to go to waste just because I want to justify a cold. Or I want to say, oh, it's seasonal allergies. No, there was blood spilled for this. Our precious Jesus, his blood was spilled for this. So should there be shame that I have sickness? No. No, there's no shame. That's the enemy. Don't, don't mess with that. But I'm not going to give in. There's something that happens when you begin to hunger for God, that that hunger begins to infiltrate every bit of your being, every aspect of your life. I have to see the fullness of God in my marriage. I have to see the fullness of God in my finances. I have to see the fullness of God in my workplace, in my family, whatever it might look like. I have to see the fullness of God in my body. Why? It's not, it's not even for me. Yes, I'm thankful when everything's awesome. Uh, I'm thankful for health. Uh, but it's not for me, it's for him. Because he did it, because he paid for it. And so I just want to encourage you guys, like start, start going after it. If it takes you 30 years to see something healed, don't bow to that thing. Don't bow to sickness in your life. Don't try to justify it with other things. Yes, there's, there's some natural stuff there. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that. Yes, go see doctors. Do all those things. But stand against that. There's no part of sickness that's for you. There's no part of sickness and relationship that's for you. We have the, the ministry of reconciliation. That's re relational healing. There, you know, we just got to start taking ground in this stuff. God's trying to wake us up because he's looking for a people that can start to take a hold of the promises he's spoken. Are we good? Make sense? I'm actually almost done. That's a miracle. Um, yeah.
You know, hunger is true humility. Hunger is realizing that, that we need something beyond ourselves. He's not looking for more mature, God-altogether people. He, you go throughout history, he uses the ones that are so messed up, that are just willing to say, I got nothing without you. That's what being poor in spirit is. I have nothing without you. Jesus, I have nothing without you. And to those that can recognize, it's the recognition. It's not the lacking it, because we all lack it. We all are poor in spirit. It's the recognition that I have nothing. The heathen says, I can give you everything. I'll give you my kingdom. The kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I will give you everything because you recognize you have nothing without me. Those are the people he uses. No matter how messed up, no matter what you did today, yesterday, last week, it doesn't matter. If you'll if you, if you get your, yourself uh, to a place of humility and just lay yourself down and say, Jesus, I have nothing without you. He will meet you there, I promise you. And now is the time. Now is the time for us to get back on his timeline. Guys, there's, there's, the enemy will try to put you asleep, that, that you'll become spiritually asleep, which leads to, to numbness and ultimately paralyzation. He wants us to get, get back on his timeline. He's giving out gifts of hunger, and it's, it's hunger so that we can actually sustain what he's about to pour out. You know, in Cleveland, the, the prophecy is the, the head has to rise first. The head's asleep. The head has to rise first. That's why they're going to Cleveland. This is something God's doing. It's the revival man is, is, is tied down. Revival starts with us waking up. Revival starts with, with us, and, and revivals are not sustainable. The only sustainable revival happens in your bedroom. It happens in the secret place. It happens in your car. That's the only revival you can sustain. Everything else will eventually die out. Revivals end, and we move on. But what happens in here, what happens with him, that can be sustained. I want to share, um, actually first, I won't share that yet. I'm going to share a dream with you here in a second. I wasn't going to share, um, but then Micah came up to me and gave me a word that was basically my dream. Um, so thank God for Holy Spirit. But um, guys, I really, I really feel that God, he's wanting to pour us, himself out on, on prayers, both personal and corporate. Um, this is a little bit more of a prophetic kind of message, so I know it's a little bit different, but um, I, f- I really feel like there's prayers that we've been praying, that individuals have been praying, that you guys have been praying, that he really just wants to pour himself out on. But there needs to be that alignment, the alignment that happens in hunger, the alignment that when, when we lay ourselves down, uh, that happens. And so um, let's get back there. I just want to say this too, don't allow life, don't allow deferred hope, don't allow circumstances to steal this from you. If, if those things can steal hunger, uh, you know, you need to get more hungry. You need to keep going after him. Because it, when it's divine, it's something the enemy can't take. The world can't take it, just like Nick's song. Um, you know, it's, it's just something, it's something worth going after, is having something that the enemy can't touch. You know, all, all kinds of bad things can happen, but you can't steal my hunger. You can't steal the Jesus that I've seen. You can, you can try to debate me all day. The Jesus I've experienced is way too good. 
You couldn't, you couldn't steal him from me if you wanted to. And so, guys, he's wanting to get us back on his timeline. Um, you know, David Hogan, when I saw him, he, he kept saying this phrase. He kept saying, we can do it. We can do this. I just need you to wake up. We can do this. And he was just talking about what God's doing on the earth. Church, we can do this. Zion, we can do this. I'm telling you that we can do this. But it's time to wake up. So if I can have the, the band come back up, you guys can head on up. Um, I'd like to pray for you guys. My wife, during, uh, during well, actually when Sean came up, she saw a ladder come down in the middle of the stage and angels start coming down and they were ministers of hunger and they're bringing, they're distributing out hunger. And I really, I felt, I felt it. I didn't see it. Uh, she saw it, but I felt, I felt the shift happen when Sean got up and just that hunger is being released. Um, that, that, you know, if you felt that almost spiritual numbness, I'm telling you, it's changing. The winds, are, the winds are changing. If you just want to start lightly playing. Um, so we're going to pray for everyone that wants prayer. I, want, I, I really felt like specifically I kept seeing us laying hands on people. Uh, and I, I feel like this is important. I feel like God just wants to release a gift of hunger. Uh, you know, and so you may might already be hungry, and that's awesome. You, I want you to respond if if you if you want more hunger, if if you've realized that you've, uh, you know, you're kind of spiritually numb, or you're at a place where you haven't been hungry. You know, both in the natural and in the spiritual. If you're not hungry, it's a sign there's a problem. And so it's it's time. Jesus will meet you here, and he'll get you exactly back on the timeline where you need to be. You can be exactly where you need to be in one moment of hunger. I'm telling you that. Remember that. If you, anytime you get to this place where you feel like you're, you're not where you should be or you're not, you're not accomplishing what you need to be or, or whatever it might be, one moment of hunger, one moment of, of true, when you get past yourself, when you get past your, your, your soul and your emotions, one moment of spiritual connection where your spirit meets his spirit, and that connection happens, one moment, you can be right there, right where you need to be. Also, I had this, I, this came up right before I, I, I came up. I, I saw this, uh, this scripture. This is Jeremiah 1.12. So Jeremiah 1.12 he, he's asking Jeremiah, what do you see? Jeremiah tells him, and he says, you've seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. And I just saw, it was like, it was like, it was like watching God on heaven's balcony. And he was just walking, and he was just waiting. I'm ready to perform my word. I'm ready to perform my word. I'm ready to perform my word. And he's, he's waiting on us. He's waiting on our alignment with him. He's waiting on our hunger. So I, I just want to invite you guys up. If you, if you just want the grace to do the practical things, if, if, there's, you just, if you want the gift of hunger, if, you don't, if you've never known Jesus before, if you've never given your life to him or you realize you're backslidden, just come on up. Uh, 
But I just, we're going to just, I want everyone to just come up and line up. If you need to go get your kids, if you want them to be part of this, then go do that. Um, we're going to go through and lay hands on you. And staff, if you can come on up. Okay, so we're going to lay hands on you in just a second, but I want to share this dream real quick. Actually, two things. So first thing, when you're driving your car and your check engine light comes on or your gas light, do you go into self-condemnation? Do you think, what, what is wrong? What did I do wrong? Why is the gas light coming on? Or do you just go get gas? I'm telling you, when these things come up, when you realize, this happens to me all the time where I'll realize, man, I haven't spent time with God today. Or man, I, I haven't talked to him in the last hour. That's not condemnation. That's the check engine light coming on. Do what needs to be done. Go spend time with him. Get refueled. But here's the dream I had. In the dream, I had somebody lay hands on me. And in the dream, <coughs> if you guys will lean into this, I'm telling you, you'll experience this. In the dream, it was like heaven started to come over me. I've experienced the glory of God. I've experienced the, the fire to an extent. I've experienced his goodness, his joy, all these things. There's his, his tangible presence. But I, I began to feel this indescribable electricity just began to move over me that was full of joy and peace and love and all of it at once. And it was like I was floating. If you can just, just close your eyes and just try to picture what I'm saying right now. It just began to come over me and I, I started, I felt myself falling. But, but it was like in slow motion and no one was there to catch me. But I was in this thick substance And I, I, I felt myself, my body begin to hit the ground. I felt my arms coming down till they rest on the ground. And I opened my eyes and I'm in a different realm. I opened my eyes and I looked down and I'm wearing a wedding dress. I was the bride of Christ. I look at my dress and I look, I'm looking around, I'm in this giant hall and it looked like a medieval hall and it was hundreds of feet long. And at the very end, I saw this, this beautiful painting of a profile shot of Jesus. And he, look, he didn't look like anything, any of the drawings you've ever seen. He looked like a warrior. He had, he had jet black hair and it was braided in these warrior braids. He has darker skin and these defined cheekbones. And the doors open. There's these double doors underneath the painting and the doors open. And this light shines through. And normally light behind somebody would cause them to be silhouetted, but he was light. So I could fully see him. And he steps through the door and he was, he was wearing a tuxedo. And it looked like he doesn't normally wear a tuxedo. 
but he looked like a warrior. I'm telling you, he's, he's our, our, our lamb, but he's a lion. I could feel it. I could feel it. And he looked at me. He, he looked at me. And immediately I forgot that I was wearing a dress. I forgot that I was laying on the floor. And I couldn't look away. And his eyes, through his eyes, I could hear his spirit say, tell them I'm ready. Tell them I'm ready. And this is where we've got it all wrong. We put the bride, we had the bride walk in and walk down the aisle and all eyes are on the bride. When he stepped in, he was waiting to walk down the aisle and all the eyes were going to be on him. But he couldn't walk down yet, and I could see, I could see and feel it. He was ready. He was ready. He wanted to walk down the aisle. He wanted all the eyes of humanity and heaven to be on him. But we weren't ready. I was laying on the floor. I wasn't even up at the altar yet. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. So as, as, as Bethany leads us in worship, just continue to worship God. We're going to go through. We're going to lay hands on you. If you feel something, that's awesome. If you don't, take it. The gift of hunger, you know, what happens after the encounter is you got to steward it. So take it by faith, whether you feel something or not, and start to do something with this. Start to do something with your hunger. Begin to go after God. Thank you, Jesus. So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we just ask for your presence here in a deeper, deeper way. Mark us, God. Wake us from slumber. I say, wake up. Wake up. In Jesus' name. We say that, that yeah, that spirit of slumber ends now in Jesus' name. Wake up, Zion. We can do this. We can do this, Zion. We can do this. Thank you, God. Release your fire. Release your fire over us, God. In Jesus' name.